tonight and let's worship our Savior.
Twas the night before Christmas and all through the earth. Every creature was stirring, awaiting a birth. The time for Messiah was certainly near. You the prophets foretold it. The Bible was clear. From the book of beginnings, the very first sin, God's word made it clear how his grace entered in. Born of a virgin, he'd come as a man. The creator among us, the time was at hand. The stars were arranged to show marvelous things, setting wise men to journey and find the true king. Shepherds in Bethlehem gazed on the sky, longing to see him, the Lord the Most High. How could they know that the very next night an angel of God would speak words of delight? How the Savior was born, there was news of great joy. In a cloth in a manger, they'd find the dear boy. And a heavenly host would soon join to sing of the glory of God and of wonderful things. He entered creation, set position aside to show us how deeply his love did abide. Sin sent us away from our almighty Lord. He became one of us that we might be restored. He's the prince of our peace. He's the one who makes whole. He's wisdom incarnate, a shepherd of souls. He's the author of life. He's the ruler of all. He can offer salvation on his name we call. The shepherds and wise men would bow to adore. Holy God among men, our greatest reward. All glory and honor is due to this king. Let all join in worship. Let every tongue sing. Jesus is Lord, all creation proclaims. He's the first and last. He is always the same. History turned on that first Christmas day when God became man in a humble display. As we think of the manger in which he was laid, let our hearts welcome him to the world he made. The arrival of the Savior was predicted long before the birth of Christ through the prophets of old. What wonderful passages from the Bible concerning his birth are printed on cards, shared in movies, and given prominence in all manner of media, events, and celebrations in this season of joy. Scriptures that speak of his everlasting dominion, like this one in Daniel, where it reads, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This fulfillment began as we find Mary hearing these words found in the first chapter of Luke. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. What wonder must have filled her heart, along with Joseph, the shepherds, and others, as this miracle of miracles took place that would once and for all time unite God and humanity for eternity. That awesome wonder and excitement stirs in our hearts also as we reflect on the birth of Jesus, how he alone has made it possible for us to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What joy we have, what joy we must share. Consider these powerful scriptures found in Titus 3, starting in verse 4 with these words. But then something happened. God, our Savior, and his overpowering love and kindness for humankind entered our world. He came to save us. It's not that we earned it by doing good works or righteous deeds. He came because he is merciful. 
He brought us out of our old ways of living to a new beginning through the washing of regeneration, and he made us completely new through the Holy Spirit, who was poured out in abundance through Jesus the Anointed, our Savior. All of this happened so that through his grace, we would be accepted into God's covenant family and appointed to be his heirs, full of hope that comes from knowing you have eternal life. So on this Christmas Eve, before we celebrate Christmas tomorrow, let us together remember through these thoughts given in poetry and scripture of the birth of the one who came as the light of the world to give us the light of life. That love and that light of humble beginnings forever remains a true Christmas miracle for all who will be
Good afternoon, Joy Christian Center. Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. Why don't you turn and greet two or three people around you and say, Merry Christmas. Maybe tell somebody it looks like they've lost just a little bit of weight. Make their whole week, year, month, whatever it might be. Praise God. Well, good evening. God, is it afternoon? Is it evening? This is that odd time of day, I guess. Let me ask you a quick question tonight. Um, how many of you have ever been to a gift exchange? All right. Good. Why do we give gifts at Christmas time? Because Jesus got gifts. He did. Yes, he did. You know, the wise men brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? And somebody said if it would have been white women, white women, if it was when wise women, wow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Sorry, everybody. Just seeing if you're still with me, that's all. It's the most engaged you guys all became when Pastor Ryan makes a mistake. That's awesome. <laughs> If it had been wise women, they would have brought, they would have brought formula, they'd have brought diapers, they would have brought, you know, casseroles, something like that for, for the gifts. Well, we know this, and I, I need to run back here for just a moment and get my, get my notes. Why don't you just talk, talk amongst yourselves there for a little bit, since I've already wrecked the whole Christmas Eve service. The most, the most memorable part was Pastor Brian's great big huge mistake. I apologize. Wow. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, back at the message. Um, <sighs> gift exchanges. How many of you have ever been on the right side of a gift exchange? Well, how many of you know what side is the right side of a gift exchange? What's that? If you got the best gift. How many of you have ever been on the wrong side of a gift exchange? We all know what that's like, right? When we were on the wrong side of the gift exchange, when... 
man, we worked hard and we overspent and we got this really, really nice thing and then we got a plumeria candle, which don't even know what a plumeria is, but it reeks, it stinks, and it's like, I don't even like candles, right? So we're on the wrong side of the whole Christmas gift exchange. Well, I know that you know this, this verse, <clears throat> John three sixteen. It says that for God so loved this world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. God gave a gift of love. It was the greatest gift that he ever gave, the gift of his son, Jesus. And I know that for some of us, we kind of, you know, we understand the wise men gave gifts. We understand that God gave us a gift. We kind of shrug our collective shoulders at those things that we've heard, at those different things. You know, we've all heard John 3.16. John 3.16 shows up at football games. It's become kind of old news almost. And I think that sometimes when we hear that verse, we sort of shut off our thinking kind of like we do when we hear about the Christmas story because, and I've said this many, many times over the years, that one of the biggest challenges in a service like this one or at Easter is to present something to people that think that they know everything about it. They already know the aha. They already know the punchline. They already know that, hey, there was a Savior that was born. We, we know all of those things. And so when we hear John 3.16, that God loved this world so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, we sort of like, mm-hmm. Yep, amen, check that off the list. And so I want to change things up just a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think, is a great explanation it is a great explanation of what John 3.16 actually means. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and he said, For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. And then in exchange, everybody say exchange. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. You know, this is a gift exchange that you and I got in on the good side of the gift exchange. We got to exchange our sin. We got to exchange our pain. We got to exchange our weaknesses. We got to exchange our fears and our bondages and our oppressions. We got to exchange our captivity for the grace and the peace and the love and the joy that Jesus brings. It's one thing to be on the wrong side of a gift exchange when you're at a Christmas party. It's another thing to be on the wrong side of the gift exchange when it comes to things that God is doing and has done for us. 700 years before the birth of Christ, 700 years before Jesus was born, before there was a star, before there was a Bethlehem, before there were wise men, and, and, and there was a drummer boy, all of those other things before all of that... <laughs> Isaiah describes this moment, and he says in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and the afflicted. Everybody say good news. Now, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Almost did. You know, we usually kind of interpret this or we hear it this way, that he, he said he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And we immediately think just of those that are, are, are financially strapped, they don't have enough income, those kinds of things. I really like the, the Living Bible when it says, or I'm sorry, the, the, yeah, the Living Bible when he says that he brought good news to the suffering and to the afflicted. Because God knows, knew something, he knows something about humanity. This world that we live in, it's broken. 
I don't know if that's news to you tonight or not, but this world is broken. This world does not operate the way that God intended for it to operate. God had a plan, and that plan was upended in the Garden of Eden. And he had another plan to restore all those things through what Jesus was going to do. And now here is the prophet Isaiah. He is on the scene, and he's telling us there is going to be some good news for this broken world, for this world that is lost, this world that is dying. And, and it's going to become, it, that good news is going to come in a person. But look at these exchanges. It says, he sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to announce liberty to the captives and to open the eyes of the blind. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of God's favor to them has come and the day of his wrath to their enemies. In other words, God's fighting for us. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of heaviness, for God has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. So, I want you to read those words again. For those of you, there's good news tonight. If, there, if you're in any of these, if any of these are your situation right now, if you're sitting here tonight, and I don't know how, why you are here tonight. I don't know if you're here because you, you want to be here or if you're here because you're here under duress. Somebody grabbed you by the ear and said, you're gonna, you won't get dinner if you don't come to church with me. But we're glad that you're here. We really are. We're glad that you're here. And maybe you don't do the church thing very much. Totally get it. Understand it. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people like that. You're not alone. But maybe you're sitting here tonight while you're wondering, why am I here? And you're kind of thinking, my name is up there. I'm there. For those of you that are suffering and afflicted, God said there's good news. For those of you that are here tonight that perhaps are brokenhearted, there's healing for your heart. If you're here tonight and you're held captive, there's liberty. There's freedom for you, regardless of what it is that is holding you captive. For those of you that mourn, there is comfort. If you're here tonight and you've lost something, if you're here tonight and you've lost someone, if you're watching online and, and there's been pain in your life and, and something seems amiss in you, there is comfort and there is good news and there is healing and there is freedom for you tonight. He says he will give beauty for ashes and I love that. Because when we look at something that is so totally consumed by fire that there's nothing but ashes and we would look at it as that it is, it's impossible. Nothing could ever come of that. God says, I'm going to take your nothing, I'm going to take your impossible, and I'm going to make something beautiful from it. That's the God that sent his son Jesus to declare good news. He said, I'll give you joy instead of sadness. Maybe you're here tonight and, and, and Christmas doesn't bring warm fuzzies to you. It's painful. God says, I've got joy for you. You can exchange the pain. You can exchange the loss and the mourning and the grieving for God's comfort and God's joy and God's beauty. Finally, he says, I will give you, I've got praise instead of heaviness. That we put on this garment of praise in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the situation, in spite of everything that is going on, we have a choice tonight. You and I, we have a choice tonight. And so let me ask you a very, very, very simple question tonight on Christmas Eve. Do any, does anyone here need any of those things that we just talked about? Anybody here need those things? You see, for me just to preach a nice little message on Christmas Eve, I'm not about that. I really am not. 
I've got you captive right now for the next two and a half hours. All right, not quite. It's a Christmas gift. We'll be done early. It would be wrong for me to present something to you without an opportunity for you to be able to receive that thing that he offers to us. And so when he said this in Isaiah, I'm bringing you good news, good news, good news to those that are oppressed and in bondage. (laughs) So he says this to us. And I think, you know, the great joy of the Christmas story, one of my favorite, I've said this many, many times. I used to say it, I want to watch this on God's VCR. Then I changed it to God's DVR. And then I don't even know what the latest technology is. But I want to see this when I get to heaven. This is in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Not that I want to go to heaven anytime soon. But Luke chapter 2, verse 10, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be, bring great joy to all people. The, the shepherds in the field and the, the light display and the angels, all of those things to me, it just, that's Christmas. That's the warmth, the joy, the radiance of what God meant to do for you and for me. But when he said this, don't be afraid because I'm bringing you good news that will bring great joy to all people. What the angel really was saying is I'm bringing you something. I'm bringing you the thing that Isaiah talked about 700 years ago. Remember when Isaiah said that I bring you good news, that this good news is going to bring freedom to the captives, all those other things? The angel was declaring that what Isaiah had talked about was now here. If we go a couple of chapters ahead in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, Jesus during his ministry, it says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue or church. He went as usual, usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he began to read from Isaiah what I just read to you a moment before. But then as he finished this, he said in verse 20, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and then he began to speak to them. Here's what Jesus said. The scripture that you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus was saying that thing that you heard Isaiah talk about, that good news and all of those other things that uh, that come as a result of that, I'm the fulfillment of it. You can quit looking because good news is here in a person in Jesus. Now, the crowd there didn't really like it a whole lot, (laughs) as you can imagine. Because they just were normally coming to church. They didn't expect anything to ever happen in church. Because they'd heard it a hundred thousand times before. (laughs) Sort of like us with Christmas. So, something I know. The holidays from, I call the holidays really from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day. That kind of that season, that time. I just heard a statistic on the radio. Do you know that tomorrow is the number one day that people die from heart attacks? You know what the second most popular day to die from a heart attack is? The 26th of December. The 3rd, January 1st. Now, silent night. Pastor Brian, this is supposed to be joyful, joyful, right? Here's the thing. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is that this season brings a lot of stress to people. 
Our schedules are upended. We're doing things different. But for a lot of people, there's grief and there's pain. We're looking at the end of the year, and it's like, man, the things that I wanted to accomplish, not going to accomplish it. I thought I was going to have this. I thought I would be there. Some of you, you've lost things. You've lost people. You've lost stuff. And sometimes this season can bring with it a weight. It can bring heaviness. I've literally talked to people who say, I hate this time of year. I wish that we could just hit fast forward and go past this. And it's not because they don't like Christmas songs. It's because it is a painful time. It's a painful time for them. So, Christmas is not the problem. Christmas is not the problem. Christmas is not the source of the pain. To be totally honest with you, Christmas offers the cure for the pain. Christmas offers the cure for the lost. Because Christmas is all about Jesus. Jesus is all about the good news that God came to bring to this earth. And Jesus is the fulfillment of what Isaiah said. He is the one that brings freedom and brings healing and brings recovery and brings those things so that we can praise him. Now, as I said, a little bit of a different take on a Christmas story here. I hope you're asking a question. I do need some of those things that you talked about. I need some of that. But how can I get it? How do I open the gift? If this is a gift exchange, you mean all I got to do, all I have to do is I just, I give him my pain, I give him my garbage, I give him my junk, I give him my, and then he gives me the good stuff? That's just too easy. And sometimes we overthink it. Sometimes we're, how many, you know, Christmas gift exchanges. How many of you have ever gone to a gift exchange and you got on the right side of the gift exchange, which the right side again is what? You get a better gift than you gave, right? Now, has anybody, well, don't raise your hand. Maybe you re-gifted something that you did not even want. The Plumeria Candle. With a free set of Pastor Brian's cassette tapes from 1994. Man, you unloaded those bad boys. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. And then you get the gift that everybody really, really wanted. And, and I don't know, it might feel just a little tinge of guilt. It's like, man, I, oh, I really need to go make it up to them. I need to figure out a way to make this right because... I feel kind of bad because now I gave them something that I didn't really even want. I didn't even like. I didn't want it at all. And they gave me something really, really, really good. Actually, the worst thing is when somebody gets you a gift and you didn't get them a gift. Anyone relate to that one? So, back to the gift exchange. <laughs> I think that sometimes we... Look at the person next to say he's talking about you here. We tend to overthink things. How do we open the gift? How do we get the thing? How do we get the grace that God wants us to experience and to have? How do I get the freedom? How do I get the comfort? How do I get those things? I don't know if you've ever tried to open toys in the last five years or so. I don't know what they seal those things in. It's like you need a, you know, safety goggles, bolt cutters. You can hurt yourself trying to get inside of those presents. 
And I think that sometimes we feel that God operates the same way. That we need like a super spiritual decoder ring to kind of figure out how it is that we can get whatever it is that God wants to, God says he wants to bless us with. How do I get those things? How do I get that? Well, I've got some good news for you tonight. Because up until now, I've just kind of preached a, a nice, nice little, little message to you. Because sometimes here's the thing. We feel like what we have to offer is not good enough. We feel like we're getting in on the wrong side, really the good side of the gift exchange. Because I'm bringing him a, a broken life. And I'm bringing him sin, and I'm bringing him pain, and I'm bringing him all of those other things, and he's offering to me life. It's like I need to do something in order to merit or to deserve what it is that he's giving to me. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said this. See, I don't think there's a wrong way to come to God. Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me, I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. You are never too far away from God. You are never too far away from God. You are never too broken. You're never too damaged. And I will say this on the other side, that you will never be able to do enough to earn God's grace. It's impossible for you to do it. So, I have a couple of ornaments that are here. And I want to use this as an illustration to kind of finish this off tonight. I have, I saw Zach sitting back there. Zach, do you remember this? This is a Christmas ornament. Any idea how old you were when you made this? Any idea what you got for Christmas when you made this? Is Steph in here? Pastor Steph, are you here? I have this. Where? I see. Oh, there she is. Do you remember this ornament? How old were you when you did this ornament? Kindergarten. Do you remember what you got for Christmas that year? No. Now, I have another one of Zach. I don't know how we end up with two of Zach. You're supposed to have all of your decorations, by the way. So, Pastor Brian, why are you doing that? Here's why. I find it amazing that long after the Christmas gifts have been given, received, open, broken, and recycled, we still have these. We still have these. These are worthless. I mean, we couldn't sell them at a garage sale. We couldn't give them away. We couldn't do, th these are, have absolutely no value to anybody other than Shelly and I. Because we look at these and we, we remember some things. Because the most precious thing that we have is the family that we are a part of. And one of the, the greatest joys that we have, and the older we get, one of the greatest joys that we have is when our kids are with us. And guess what? God feels the same way. Long after you've had the heartaches, long after you've had the breaks, long after you've had the difficult things, long after all of those things, God looks at you and he says, I love you. I just want to be with you. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Mm, mm, mm. You're not too broken, not too damaged, not too far gone. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, 
If you come close to God, you draw nigh to God, God will draw near to you. It is a very simple exchange. It is a very simple transaction. It is a very simple thing where God gives us his gift. And it's all encompassed in that child Jesus who grew to be a man, carried out the plan of God, died on a cross, and shed precious, precious, precious blood. Also that you and I could be made right. Would you bow your heads? We're going to receive communion in just a few moments. Should have received the communion elements. It won't take all the time to go through all of the things that we normally go through with the communion service. But we're going to pray tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight. Lord, we thank you for the great sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We thank you for this great exchange, this great gift exchange that you've given to us. Father, I thank you that we can empty ourselves of us and have you fill us with your heart and with your life. You gave instruction to the early church. and You said that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them and he said, eat. The bread is a representation of the body of Christ that was broken for us. And so I'm going to ask you tonight to open up that cup and receive the bread from that. And together we're going to receive the cup together, or the bread together. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for that bread. We receive it together as one in Jesus' name. And then Jesus... He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, the new covenant, the new agreement, the new arrangement in my blood. And it's in this new covenant that we have life, that we have forgiveness, that we have healing, that we have everything that we have need of. He said that we examine ourselves and that we present ourselves before him. And so together, would you receive the cup of communion in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. One more thing with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here tonight and you would say to any of those invitations, any of those those things that were on the screen as it related to Isaiah chapter 61, if you're here tonight and you would say, first of all, Pastor Brian, I need one of those things. Would you just, everyone, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around between you and God and me so I can pray for you. You say, Pastor, I need one of those things. Would you just hold your hand up just for a moment? Thank you. Anyone else? All over the place. All over the place. One more question. If you're here tonight and you've never made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, and you would want to do that tonight, we can help you understand what it means, but there's a yearning in your heart. You know there's something more, and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Would you please pray for me? Would you hold your hand up real high? Anyone at all? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We're going to do a couple of things tonight as we finish up. Uh, One of the things, I want to thank you all for your generosity. We've got how many, Pastor John? Over 100, almost 150. 150 trauma bags. Uh, Give yourselves a great big hand. Those will be going out throughout central Minnesota. Uh, The various police departments will be having those as well as some mental health professionals for homes, families that are in trauma. And uh, so thank you for that. We're going to be praying over that in just a moment. Got a song or two that we want to sing with you. But I want to pray for you, uh, and then we will. Man, we're we're just going to worship God tonight.
Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for this congregation. And I pray for the many hands that were lifted today. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are here right now because you are Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And because you were here, there is life. Because you are here, there is freedom. Because you are here, there is hope. Because you are here, there is healing. Because you are here, there is joy. Because you are here, there is peace. Because you are here, there is everything that we have need of. And so, Father, I pray that right now in this moment it would be that moment that would be a seed sprouting on the inside of them that would bring joy and freedom to those that are captive and thank you father god in the mighty name of jesus hallelujah father we thank you uh, we thank you thank you jesus speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within his presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. Well, I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your darkness over every enemy. 
Jesus for my family and I speak that holy name Jesus shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Jesus for it so much. We trust that you're going to have a great, great, great holiday thanks, uh, uh, Christmas celebration. Oh, let's sing joy to the world. It wouldn't be Christmas Eve without us singing joy to the world. Amen.
Let's get these hands out. Come on, church. We should be happy Beautiful. tonight. Here we go. Joy to the world. 
Merry, Merry Christmas.